I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Ritalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Owl Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. Welcome, Owl Pellet fans. We're here by the owl again, and we have Becky Haddad, Brian Myers, and myself, Mike Ritalik, here with our friends from North Dakota State to talk a little bit about organizing your ag mechanics laboratories. Mike, you didn't say it right. You didn't say it right. It was North Dakota. I know they'll take care of that (laughs) here in a bit, so we'll let let them interpret uh, uh, the English language here in a second, so... But uh, it is our North Dakota friends, and uh, we have Brooke and Alicia and Eric joining us today. So why don't you introduce yourselves before we start talking about the topic? I guess I'll go ahead and start. I'm Eric Johnson. I'm a relatively recent graduate of North Dakota State University just this spring with a Bachelor of Science in Agricultural Education. Starting the 1st of July, I will be the second ag teacher at Kildeer High School in Kildeer, North Um, I guess I can go next. So my name is Alicia Lund. Uh, also a recent graduate from North Dakota State. And side note and pro tip, if you want to say North Dakota correctly, you just have to get rid of the TH in North. So there you go, if you ever need to know that bit of information. Um, but anyway. That is why that is why Alicia has now become my favorite guest on Owl Pellets. That's right. Yes. So um, yeah, now um, that I've graduated, I actually moved on to graduate school. So I am still working with Brooke, um, just at a graduate level, getting my master's degree in egg education. And I'm Brooke Thiel. I am also an NDSU graduate, <laughs> uh, but I, I taught in the state of North Dakota for seven years before returning to higher education and just finished the fastest first year of teaching at the college level ever. I think I, can't, I, think I blinked and it, it was over. So um, excited to be in this position and excited to be talking to you all. And I don't want to be left out because I am also an NDSU grad. So not that I had any part in the awesome work that they're doing, but let it be known. Go Bison. That was the next debate. Bison, Bison. We, we could have that argument too. Yeah, from us, we it's Bison with a Z. Okay. Yeah. Well, I- left out Mike I think we should both go back if we if we could ever get admitted we could go back to school to North Dakota State but I don't think they'd take us yeah now that we've uh, had that commercial we'll uh, move on to what we really want to talk about today <laughs> and I love the title because I think it's a great place to start the title is where do I start and the topic is really organizing egg mechanic lab laboratories so tell us a little bit about the project and what you learned Eric yeah, it kind of started out as a, a makeshift way for me to fulfill a responsibilities that I had through an internship with the North Dakota Association of Ag Educators last summer, since a lot of things were uh, canceled or postponed because of the pandemic. We had to kind of get creative about finding some other ways. So one of those things that Brooke came up with was a project that had been kind of in the works for a while at NDSU. And that was coming up with a list of equipment that would be needed to start an ag mechanics program or to outfit a shop for teaching ag mechanics content in the state of North Dakota. There are some other uh, other 
facility equipment guides that exist from around the country, but nothing was specifically made for North Dakota. So we decided that that would maybe be a project that I could work on since it was a, a good entry level kind of research project and something that would certainly be useful for teachers all around the state. So that was kind of where things got started. The, the idea was that a lot of there are a lot of teachers who maybe are not as comfortable with ag mechanics content, whether they be first year or relatively early career teachers, teachers who entered through an alternative certification program and haven't had a, a four year undergraduate degree in education and specifically agricultural education or uh, a whole host of other groups that might not be as comfortable with certain ag mechanics content areas. So we decided that we, if we could put together this list, it would be a useful resource for those teachers. I love that. And I love this topic. I have like a folder on my phone of nerdy shop organization photos from student teacher visits. It's one of my favorite things to see when I go on visits, the cool ways folks have found to organize tools and helmets and whatever else they have in their shop. And I think it also spans a lot of new teacherness as far as you move programs and the shop wasn't outfitted the same way yours was, or you're a brand new teacher or you know, you've been working with old equipment and you want to update your list. So talk to us about the list. What's on it? What do we need to know about outfitting a shop? Well, um, there's a lot on the list. <laughs> uh, I guess it depends on what kind of content you're wanting to teach in egg mechanics. Um, we have everything from electricity to welding, um, woodworking, plumbing. So um, yeah, Really, um, you just find the category that you're looking to teach and then um, we break it down even further. And so we have an even alphabetized list um, of all of the different um, tools or supplies that you would need for that, for that content area, so. And what we did um, in the final handbook, because this was a research paper, right, that was submitted um, to our conference. And so it focused just on the list and how it was developed. But our ultimate goal was to create a handbook for teachers in the state of North Dakota. And of course, it'll be available to teachers nationwide. It's not going to be like a password protected just for North Dakota teachers. Um, but we are linking it to standards as well. So like if this is the AFNR standard I want to address in my electricity unit, then this is the equipment that I would need, you know, what's essential, what's um, recommended, and what's optional for me to teach that content. Yeah, you know, what also excites me about the work that y'all did here is we're seeing, you know, everything we've been in education for as long as we've been, you see these cycles, um, you know, things come and go. And in a lot of states, some of our ag mechanics, we, we weren't teaching as many ag mechanics courses, and then thus some of our ag mechanics facilities or ag mech labs kind of went into disrepair or equipment or tools got sold out. But now we're starting to see again this, this resurgence of we need hands-on instruction, the importance of some of these basic skills, need to be able to, to wire a light switch up in your house or put two boards together with a, <clears throat> a nail so they hold together. So I think I really hope that we'll, we'll hopefully include a link to this, this handbook for folks to be able to find as you're a new teacher, as you go in and you're trying to either start a new program or kind of reinvigorate uh, re an older program to get that curriculum going again. So as you're looking at all those different pieces, I, I know things are based on the curriculum for the school, but what are maybe some of those first step kind of things? If I'm a brand new teacher starting a brand new school, what are some of those those real first equipment that, that they want? Is it the nice, shiny, expensive toys, or is it 
uh, hammers, pliers, and screwdrivers? That's a that's a good point or a good question, I guess. The the, the way we broke down the, the tools in our at least the list that we created. This I can't speak for any other you know other places that might have similar situations, but ours were broken down like Brooke briefly addressed into essential recommended and optional equipment. So we tried to kind of break things down a little bit so it, it made some sense like that. And yeah, like you said, a lot of the things that were that fell into that essential category were the, the hammers, that kind of stuff. We did try to be a little bit more specific than that. So things like uh, wrenches, screwdrivers, we didn't really include those because we figured that most teachers would assume they needed those anyway. So we tried to have things that were maybe a little bit more specialized depending on the on the different kinds of uh, content areas that were being taught. But yeah, there's uh, was a, a wide variety, I guess, in the, the breakdown of how some of that, some of the pieces of equipment came through. And it, some of it surprised me a little bit, I guess, but for the most part, I think things kind of landed logically. So if you're teaching electrical, having electrical boxes was an essential piece of equipment that you would need or you know, electrical wall boxes in order to teach that content, things like that. But to your point, Brian, like a fancy CNC router or a fancy plasma cam, um, those all came back as optional from our teachers. You know, when they really thought about what are the things that I absolutely need to successfully teach this class, those really fancy high-end pieces of equipment, they're nice to have, but they're not necessary to have. So like as a new teacher, really focusing on well, what is the content that I'm going to be addressing? And then what are the pieces of equipment I need to you know, essential, because unfortunately, we don't get unlimited budgets. It's kind of a bummer, but, um, you know, we have to make decisions. Well, I think with this, you know, we, we go through all these things, I think we have to have this huge ag mechanics program, and at least what we're seeing in Florida, ag mechanics is, is really starting to kind of make a resurgence at the middle school program. We have a very strong sixth through eighth grade program, but again, these are the basic mechanics skills where you're just trying to do basic equipment with very simple sort of things. And that is so important that we don't necessarily have to have the fanciest flux capacitors and CNC machines and this kind of stuff to really make a, a big difference with our, with our, our students. So I, I think it's important to point that out as well, that basic doesn't mean low quality. Basic means that's fundamental. That's the kind of stuff that we really start out to making sure you're trying to build those skills with your students. We should also point out flux capacitor is not on the list at all, I don't think. <laughs> no, that, that one did not make the list, I, I don't think. I was going to check to see if a board stretcher made the list because my ag teacher Ooh. back when I was in school would always send somebody to the local lumber yard to go get the board stretcher. Um, so I, I didn't know if that was like an essential piece that needed to be in all ag programs. Yeah, and, and, and speaking of that, if maybe the way to figure out whether there's a board stretcher or not, maybe the next um, idea for this project with the handbook is to uh, uh, link it to uh, order pages for tractor supply or something so that everything was there. And for me, the lazy egg teacher that wouldn't want to go and find all of these things and order them, um, it'd be nice just to uh, be able to identify those and click the button and order what I need to order. So that could be kind of a fun fun opportunity, which really leads me to my next question, and that's for Eric. So Eric, we, we know that you're going to be transitioning into the classroom. So how has this, um, this study kind of helped you, or is it going to have any implications on your program as you um, enter the field as an egg teacher? Yeah, that's a good question. I've 
since about the, the mid of May, I've worked out the classes that I'll be teaching since I'm the second teacher in the program, we kind of had to divvy things up. And one of them was small engines. I did not have the opportunity to do any student teaching with small engines and the small engines lab that NDSU offered never really fit in my schedule. So I'm sure that that, that will be a little bit of a rodeo this fall for me trying to figure out how to teach that. But hopefully having you know, a resource like this, like you said, to at least kind of be a baseline, what kind of stuff should I be using? What kind of tools should I be making the students learn how to use or identify or something like that will certainly be good. And to kind of, uh, I guess, build off that point a little bit, uh, Kildeer is in the process of building a brand new high school. And part of that will be a new, a new ag facility. So they'll be working to outfit that with equipment. Uh, a lot of the equipment that currently exists in, in the high school, I've, I've been there three or four times since I was hired and just kind of been through and seen it, is in pretty good shape and it's uh, certainly pretty modern and well cared for, but it certainly wouldn't be a bad idea to use a resource like this to kind of go through and say, is there something that we should be considering adding if we have some Perkins dollars left over this year? Or is there something that we need to maybe think about replacing because the next best thing has come out. I don't have a specific example for that, I guess, but it's certainly something to look into. I think that's a great idea. And your your example of building a new high school and trying to equip a new um, laboratory certainly starts to raise a lot of questions um, of administrators and what have you. So not only is this a good tool for, for teachers to use, but I also think um, a tool like this adds some credibility to a request. So when you go and talk to um, an assistant principal or a principal or some administrator that has to approve these purchases and um, those purchases are considerably larger than what um, the English teacher or a history teacher is going to request and they start seeing those dollars are like, wait, wait a second, is this really needed? Here you have a document that says, you know, our colleagues or, or research would suggest that this, these are the types of things that we need in a program kind of at the, for the fundamental skills and development of, of our program. So I think this is uh, some great work from that standpoint. Was there any thing that really surprised you? And when you started looking at the results of these studies that it's like, okay, I didn't see this one coming. One thing that we've talked about. So yes, I think this list in general is, um, from a research standpoint, doesn't fit every state right, but from a practicality standpoint, I think that it's, if you're teaching a really traditional ag mechanics type curriculum, this is going to be very similar, whether you teach in Florida, whether you teach in, you know, Texas, whether you're teaching in, in North Dakota. Um, but one of the things we identified as being kind of a gap in our list was the more emerging technologies in ag mechanics, whether that be precision agriculture or ag power and technology, engineering. Um, you know, we're seeing, at least in North Dakota, we're seeing a push towards incorporating that type of um, curriculum into the secondary level. And part of the reason why we don't think it showed up is because we were asking for teachers' experiences, right? Like in their expertise. And if they themselves weren't teaching that curriculum, it was hard for them to fill in the gaps for us, you know, by saying like, oh, well, you also need this equipment um, that we didn't include in our initial list. And so I think something that we've talked about as a, as a team is how can we develop some lists for those areas and maybe we just need to find a more specific group of teachers that you know have experience working with precision ag and emerging technologies to come up with um 
you know, what, what would I need to teach those things? And um, maybe it doesn't fit in this handbook, but certainly it should be available somewhere. Did you all find anything or do you have some thoughts as far as, you know, the implications Brian talked earlier about, you know, if I'm teaching a basic ag mechanics class in XYZ, and especially as we think about some of those emerging technologies, are there, may, were there maybe some, some blind spots where, because I've been teaching this, or this is kind of what the equipment that I've used, are there emerging technologies that may have also been missed and on that side, or are there other, other avenues for partnerships where some of those emerging technologies might be, might be captured a little differently? Um, I, you know, I, I think that's why there was a gap because part of this, the first survey was we gave them a list of 200 pieces of equipment and said, do you use this or do you not use this? All of those pieces of equipment, someone from our group said yes. So we kept all of the original pieces of equipment and then we asked them to add, is there anything that we missed that you use? And then they added the pieces of equipment. Um, and from there we built our official list of equipment. And I, I can't remember how many we added, but it was quite a lot, like 90 maybe additional pieces came in based on what we didn't have on the original list. And so, um, I mean, it was quite a, it was 25 ag teachers. So I, I don't think we missed like from a, a gap of what they're teaching. It's the fact that a lot of our teachers aren't teaching those emerging technologies and precision ag simply because they don't have the curriculum, they don't have the experience, they haven't had the training. Um, and that brings up like a whole nother, you know, side of professional development and what we need to be doing to support those teachers in pursuing that type of education. And there is work going on in the state of North Dakota. It just hasn't hit mainstream yet. Um, so thankfully we're back in person for our professional development conference this year and can start rolling out some of that training to our teachers. But um, Certainly we see a lot of teachers that are using the high tech pieces of equipment like laser engravers and CNCs. And there's a lot of consortiums that share them between programs. Um, that's really common in North Dakota. Um, so those were you know, discussed and included, but um, not things like, you know, well, GPS actually was included, but um, you know, the, the soil testing, precision, all that good stuff, so. I think the other thing with this is to help teachers remember to play the long game on this when you're looking about ag mechanics equipment that just just because you you know you see this long list of several hundred pieces of equipment that people were on there doesn't mean you're going to get that year one but it's something about you you buy some of these things over time and as Mike was talking about when you're having conversations with principals and it happens all the time. Yes, schools are underfunded, but at the end of the school year, how many times for all of us did the principal walk down to somebody and said, hey, I've got $500, $1,000, $2,000 that has to be spent by Friday. Who's got a list? Well, you pull this list out and you're ready to go to, to have that conversation. And I think, you know, we've all gotten money doing that. So I think, I think that's important to be thinking not only do what do you need now to have this, but then what's the next thing you need to be thinking through there and also understanding you're not going to have this ideal set of equipment year one, year two, year three. It may take you some time to build up over time uh, to, to have that right equipment. Well, this has been a, a great conversation. Um, I think it's uh, an opportunity for us to think about what those foundational uh, tools and equipment uh, lists look like. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be a great resource that uh, will be coming out of North Dakota. 
very soon. Um, I'm, I'm still practicing, so it doesn't roll off the tongue very well, but, um, but I think, I think it's certainly. Oh yeah. Like, and where, where did you grow up, Mike? Wisconsin. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it's, it's always a pleasure to be able to, um, have, have fun with these and, uh, enjoy the, the little, uh, uh, ribbing that we get a chance to do for one once in a while so but uh but this is a, some great work and a, a great tool and a great resource and uh we'll share uh, infographic and uh when that uh, handbook is is done if there's a link that we can share on uh, all pellets as part of this podcast we would love to do that so that teachers can get their hand on hands on this and use it as a resource so eric alicia and brooke thanks for joining us on all pellets today thanks for having us uh, thank you for having us. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets Tips for Ag Teachers.